Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many, many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. Well, I thought in the new year, as we're in a new year, this idea of the narrow gate was something that sort of hit me, really. A gate is something that you go through. And traditionally, when you um, look in the Bible or when they talk about the narrow gate, that was traditionally a gate that either enabled you to enter into the temple or into the city. And there were wide ones and there were narrow ones. And particularly in the entering into the temple, the narrow gates tend to be the one where you know, the clergy would go through. In our last church, in, uh, in, when I was in um, Norwich, we used to have a small gate at the side of our building. And it was just a sort of arch like that. And I always wondered what it was. And then I found out that it was what's known as a leper's gate. And that's where the lepers used to come in order to receive their communion. They weren't allowed to come in through the main gate, and the priest would give communion to everybody else and then would go over to the leper gate and give communion to the lepers. So in our lives, you know, we don't think of going through gates that much. Some of us may live in gated communities um, that have gates that stop people coming through. But when we look into our lives, you don't often think about, you know, the idea of a narrow gate or a broad gate. You know, you just carry on with your life most of the time. You just sort of do what you do. And yet every single decision that you make in life, every time you decide to do something, you'll make a decision that's based upon going one way or the other. I always like that thing that you know, homicide is killing a man. Fratricide is killing your brother. And deciding is killing off the alternatives. And when you decide, you, you kill off the alternatives. And you, whether you like it or not, at any moment in your life, you are making a decision as to which way to go. And, you know, that affects everything. Even the smallest thing, that decision to have an extra coffee downstairs. Oh, i just have one more coffee. You might think that doesn't have an impact, but actually that means that you get out onto the road five minutes later, that truck that was coming down 82 that was going to hit your car has now gone past, and your whole life, sliding doors, if you've seen that film, that whole, your whole life changes with every single decision you make. And it's very, you know, we don't think about it much, but it is quite scary to think of the choices that you make. There's that lovely poem by Robert Frost, um, The Road Road Not Taken, it's called, by Robert Frost. Two roads diverged in a yellow wood. And sorry I could not travel both and be one traveller. Long I stood and looked down one as far as I could, to where it bent in the undergrowth, then took the other, as just as fair, and having 
perhaps the better claim because it was grassy and wanted wear, though as for the passing there, had warned them really about the same. And both that morning equally lay in leaves no step had trodden back. Oh, I kept the first for another day. Yet knowing how way leads on to way, I doubted if I should ever come back. I shall be telling this with a sigh, somewhere ages and ages hence. Two roads diverged in a wood, and I, I took the one less travelled, and that made all the difference. And that famous book, uh, The Road Less Travelled, um, by Scott Peck. And do you remember the first line of The Road Less Travelled? Life is difficult. Life is difficult. And we're faced at any moment with taking those roads. And, you know, when that reading, when Jesus, and that's from uh, Matthew, when Jesus said that, he's recognizing that we have those chances to take one way or the other. And he's basically saying that you've got a choice in your life. Either you follow the way everybody else is going, which is to go up to Highlands this morning. <laughs> and you have, actually, whether you like it or not, you have taken the road less trust. Or, actually, at any single moment, you have the opportunity to make that choice of doing something that will take you in the direction that is towards holiness. And, and that word holiness is a, it's, it's a word that, that people use and you think, oh, it, just, it means, you know, saintliness. But actually, the root of holiness comes from wholeness, W-H-O-L-E-N-S-S. It comes from the idea of wholeness. So the idea of holiness is not being some sort of marvellous person that doesn't swear, doesn't drink, and all that sort of business. It's the idea of being whole. And the idea of the narrow gate is the idea of choosing the way to wholeness at any single moment that you take. Now, the choices that we have, and you know, we're made conscious of those choices more and more in our lives. You know, the, the choice, who here is vegetarian, just only eats plants? There's a definite choice in that. And, you know, as you read more and more and more, you just see the implications of... I'm not vegetarian, just want to say. Just in case, you know, <laughs> my holiness has not gone in that direction yet. But actually, there is a choice there that is a big life choice. And we, we can see big life choices in the decisions that we make in our life. But it also comes down to the small life choices. You know, the choice when you're speaking to someone. You know, how you treat that person when you're speaking to them where you're coming from when you're speaking to that person. You get that opportunity to go to a place that's going to create wholeness. And at any moment in our lives, we can either choose to take the broad gate, which, you know, they say it leads to destruction, blah, blah, blah. What it really means is it doesn't lead to wholeness. It leads to partialness. It leads to dissipation. And... If you read the Dharmapada, the sayings of the Buddha, it's all very keen on the mind being controlled. If you, you know, it says that better that you control your mind than all 
the, the enemies that come in your direction. Your mind, according to the Dharmapada, is the key place where you have the choice of going into either the narrow gate or going into the broad gate. And to be aware of the choices you're making, you've got to be aware of what you're thinking. Because most of us just do the stuff without even thinking about it. You know, we just assume that we're just going along, we're making it, well, I'll do this, I'll do that, I'll do the other. But actually that concept of mindfulness, that concept of being aware of the choices that we're making, are absolutely key to us entering into that narrow gate. And you know, there's a funny thing, there is an aspect of, with the narrow, that na- concept of the narrow gate, of blinkeredness, of actually putting on, you know, with racehorses, they put on blinkers on racehorses, so that they don't get distracted by what's going on either side. Do they do that in America? Do you have blinkers on racehorses? You're a race horseman, aren't you? Yeah. And they just mean that they, could, they can actually focus on where they're going and they've got nothing else. And to extent, that aspect of the narrow gate is the same sort of thing. It's being aware of where you're going and not being distracted. There's another great phrase, you know, that idea of seek first the kingdom of heaven and all things will be given to you. And that's actually key to the narrow gate. If you look in my, uh, on the service sheet there, I quite like that cartoon which I spotted the other day. You know, that's inconvenient. <laughs> and actually, you know, for us it, it is inconvenient when that which we want doesn't actually seem to fit into the narrow gate. You know, so often where, you know, do you have that extra dessert? You know, do you have that, you know, extra portion of, of uh, chili-flavored uh, sweet potato fries? You know, and, and you just know the direction that that is going to take you. And yet, you know, we do just allow ourselves just to move forward in our lives and not be... Di- and it is, you know, it's an awful word, but it's about being disciplined. And it's, it's no, you know, interesting that discipline, discipled... The idea of one's whole life being about holiness, being about wholeness. And you know, if I say your life's about wholeness, you think, oh, that's great. You know, that's something that we, we can appreciate. But when I say life's about wholeness, you know, I couldn't. But think of it in terms of wholeness. Think of it in terms of what is going to enable us. And I, I, when I was thinking about this, I came up with this idea that you can actually use narrow gating as a verb. You know, the idea of, of, of actually operating from a place of narrow gating where you're consciously going through that, that one place. And it feels a certain way. It feels, the idea of narrow gating, it feels more scary because to some extent you're, you're relying on the fact that the resources are going to be the other side of the gate. Your resources are going to be the other. You know, when you see the broad gate, you can see the crops over there, you can see the shops, you, you can see everything, but the narrow gate, you can't see what's the other side of it. And there is an aspect of trusting that you're going to be looked after. Trusting that you're going to be looked after. Trusting that, you know, if you do take that step, that you're going to be able to take the one after it and something will be there to look after you. It comes down to that idea that I've you know, said so often of you know, asking yourself that question that Einstein asked. You know, the most important question in life is, is the universe a friendly place or not? 
Is the universe a friendly place or not? You know, can you rely on anything? Do you know what I rely on? I rely on my notes. You know, for the last 15 years, the way I've done messages is I sit in my office on my computer and I write them out. And you probably see it, I deliver them. You know, I come out there and I go, this is what I'm going to say. And I know even the jokes are rehearsed. <laughs> even the stuff that I've written down, I'll, I'll put sort of like, you know, tramp joke or whatever it is, and I know what I'm saying. And when I was looking at this subject, I realized I had to do it without notes. I realized that actually, in order to sort of demonstrate that idea of, I've got some notes here. <laughs> yeah, I thought if I dry up, I'll be able to have a look at them. But I just felt that that idea of, of coming out with a whole load of notes just was not the same thing. And that idea of narrow gating is where you put one foot in front of the other and you're not necessarily safe. There isn't a safety net there. You're actually saying, I'm, it, I'm not going to do this in my own strength. Do you get an idea of that? You know, I mean, I'm not... You know, when I, just for myself, when I type it all out, I've got it all there and I can get up in the morning. I don't have to think about it. I just know that I can deliver it. But I tell you, the sort of lead up to here was a lot more difficult because I didn't have any notes. And actually, in doing that, you realize that you're not going to come from your own strength in that. You've got to trust the fact that you're going to be given the words to do it. And that is the essence of narrowgating. The essence of it is trusting that there is going to be something there for you. I think it's an interesting sort of discrepancy between that and the stupidity of someone that says, you know, oh, I don't mind, the Lord will provide. You know, the old idea of, of Van Gogh, who was a missionary. And, you know, he had that. He said, well, I'm going to go and be a missionary to the Belgians. So he went off to the Belgians to be a missionary. And he, he acted by he gave away all the food he had. He said, oh, the Lord will provide. And, of course, his brother, Theo, came and found him in a garret, starving with nothing at all. And I don't think you can be stupid in this idea of narrowgating. You can't actually not provide for yourself. You know, you can't turn up at Aspen Airport assuming that the night shelter will have room for you here, which some people do do. We'll have to watch it when it comes to the X Games, because the people will turn up and think, oh, there's going to be a night The fact of the matter is you can't just assume. You've got to... A part of that narrowgating is also being prepared. And, you know, we spend our life preparing. You know, although I'm, you know, just giving the spritz here, you know, without notes, I have prepared. You know, I haven't come up here without an idea of not knowing what to say. And I, I think that all the way through in life, part of this aspect of going through that narrowgate is being prepared, is actually constantly preparing. Because guess what we're preparing for? Yes, Mimi, that's right. Ultimately, I know it's the thing, but, you know, all of it's a preparation for death. Not just, and I'm not just saying, you know, the, the ultimate death, you know, in terms of you, you might be hit by a bus or whatever, but, but, but we're preparing for those, even those little deaths, those moments where we have to let go. The moment where we suddenly find that, you know, that that investment banker that we've given all our money to is now in prison. You know, that death. You know, that death where you get, a, you get told you, that you've got... The doctor tells you bad news. 
That is a death as well. But ultimately, we are preparing for that. Ultimately, going through that narrow gate is a constant aspect of preparation in our lives for the next thing that's going to come along. And we have to be focused in order to do that. There's a a nice, lovely um, uh, little poem here that I found. Um, If you want to reach the other shore of existence, this is from the Dharmapada, if you want to reach the other shore of existence, give up what is before, what is behind, and what is in between. Set your mind free and go beyond birth and death. And that's our preparation. It is the idea of setting the mind free. Because actually, you've got to choose what's important for you. You know, is it worth it? You know, what is worth your time and effort? You know, worth is an interesting thing, the idea of worth. I looked up the idea. It means to give meaning significant, valuable, value, valued, appreciated, highly thought of, deserving. You have to decide in preparing, you know, what is worth putting your attention into? You know, what is worth in your life actually you focusing on? Because again, that is the aspect of the narrow gate. It is an aspect of focus. You know, there's so much out there that you could be doing. But actually, when you go through that narrow gate, you focus. And you have to decide, what is worth you focusing on? Yeah. You know, how do you decide that? Is it, you know, is it an aspect of calling? Is it an aspect of you know, what you desire? I mean, they're quite different things. The idea of a vocation, the idea of what you want. Or actually, the other way of, of doing it is the idea of just what comes up in front of you. Sometimes that is a way of you know, making that decision. But we don't like sometimes what does come up. That old joke, I haven't written this down, but there's one of those old jokes where the, the bloke comes up to the, uh, there's two people are walking down the road and they come across the, uh, uh, the guy sitting on a gate, uh, the farmer, and they say to the guy, you know, can you tell me the way to the big city? And the farmer says, well, if I wanted to go to the big city, I wouldn't want to start from here. And sometimes in our life, we do feel that. We do feel, you know, I don't want to have to deal with this that's in front of me right now. But sometimes that's what we're asked to do. So an important part of narrow gating, as well as that thing of, of, you know, is the universe a friendly place? Can I trust the universe to look after me? Am I able to go into that place where there's an aspect of fear where I, I, I'm not, there's not necessarily a safety net. Can I take that on? And you also then have to think, you know, what am I going to focus on? How am I going to focus my life? Is what I'm doing, and this is a good question for the new year, is what you're doing holy? Is it going to bring wholeness to you? Is your life focused on wholeness? Because if it isn't, you have to ask yourself, why are you doing it? You know, why are you doing the things that you're doing? And in narrow gating, you actually look at what wholeness is for you and then focus on that. And even if it's difficult, even if there's an aspect of fear, you give yourself completely to it without reservation. And that is an as- another aspect of this narrow gating, is the idea of commitment. You commit yourself to it. 
I mean, I'm up here. I'm committed now. Yeah, I can't get out of it. I can't say, well, that's not I'm going to sit there. I'm committed. That, that, again, that old joke about, you know, the breakfast, bacon and eggs. You know that? It, it, bacon and eggs at breakfast, you know. The pig's committed, the hen's not. <laughs> you have to make that decision about being committed in your life and committed to that wholeness. And that's the narrow gate. That's why it brings it down to a focus of commitment. And that involves, that's why when you get married, you commit to a person. You know, it is about focusing it down. And when you're focusing it down, then moving forward, even if it gets rough, even if there's a difficulty that comes up, you keep in that narrow gate. And it's no, you know, the fact that you enter the temple through the narrow gate. You know, there's lepers and, and people. You enter the temple through that narrow gate. And it is a creation of holiness. It is, enables you to move forward into that holiness. I'm going to end with a poem by William Stanford called The Way It Is. It's a lovely poem. There is a thread you follow. It goes among things that change, but it doesn't change. People wander about. They wander about what you're pursuing. You have to explain about the thread. But it's hard for others to see. While you hold it, that thread, you can't get lost. Tragedies happen. People get hurt or die, and you suffer and get old. Nothing you do can stop times unfolding. You don't ever let go of the thread. And that's the aspect of narrow gating. It's finding that thread in your life and following that thread, no matter what happens, no matter where you are, no matter what you're doing, following that thread. And if you don't think, if you can think, well, I don't know what my thread is, it's worth looking. It's worth investigating what that thread is about. And that's what we're going to talk about next week, how you actually identify that thread and how you follow that thread through. Great. Let's pray. Lord, we pray for ourselves that we may, in our lives, be able to enter into that narrow gate and follow that thread with commitment, with trust, and with understanding. Pray for the lives of those around us, that we may be a source of blessing for them. We pray for our time, for all those on the mountain today, for those who are working in ski patrol, all those who are uh, working on the lifts. Pray for safety. Pray for those traveling to and from here. Ask your blessing upon them. Pray for those who are in difficulty, particularly those who coming to our night shelter here, 17 people here last night. Pray for all of them, wherever they are today. Pray for those in prison or hospital. And right across our country, we pray for peace and well-being and understanding and wisdom. Pray for wisdom in our leaders, wisdom in all those who administer justice, 
Pray for wisdom for those who are in prison, in hospital, in the military. Pray for our world at this beginning of this year, that you will bless our world and enable your love and wisdom to enable our world to thrive and bless those around. We particularly pray for those who are special to our community. Pray for Tricia Nichols and Patricia Hill, Royal Edwin, Will Welsh, Barbara Orcutt, Tegan Sullivan, Mary-Kate Brewster. Pray for Soleil, Lee Bouguet. Particularly pray for Elise Strickland, who's now in hospice. Pray for Dee Dee and all the family looking after her. Pray for Betty Van Der Veer and Gary Daniel. Pray for Irene Gubrud and Father Joseph Boyle. Pray for Bill Archer and Alice Davis's niece, Lindsay. And also the family of Dorian Emery, who died recently and whose service is going to be in this uh, church next week, next Sunday at 4.30. Also, we pray for anyone that we have in our hearts at the moment that we know needs prayer. Ask your healing power on all these people in Jesus' name. Amen.